is it worth it? If I were to go back and had it to do over again, would I have undertaken it knowing what I know now? I've asked myself that question before. And the answer is absolutely, because despite everything that goes along with it, in all the um, stress and anxiety and uncertainty, the, the result is so critical. Welcome to episode 432 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Rye Marcatilio McCracken here at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Today on the podcast, Christopher is joined by Ben Feynman, president of the Michigan Broadband Initiative, as well as Joanne Munts and Gary Munts, both of whom were essential in the ballot campaign for Linden Township's Municipal Network and who volunteer with the Broadband Initiative. Christopher catches up with what's been going on since the measure passed a little over three years ago. The township owns the network, with area electric cooperative Midwest Energy and Communications operating it on a day-to-day basis. The group talks about the network's phenomenal 75% take rate, the current state of its debt, and how it just increased speeds on two of the service tiers with no additional fees. Linden Township serves as a great example of a community that decided to tax itself for a fiber network and are reaping the rewards. Now here's Christopher talking with Ben, Joanne, and Gary. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota. And today, I'm speaking with a fine man from Michigan, Ben Feynman, who volunteers as the president of the Michigan Broadband Cooperative. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be back. I'm excited to, to get our listeners caught up. Uh, and then we also have Gary and Joanne Munts back. Uh, well, Gary's back. Joanne, I'm excited to have you on for the first time, uh, both of whom were, were essential in the ballot campaign um, and both of whom uh, volunteer with the Michigan Broadband Cooperative. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here, Chris. So I, I didn't check the last time we talked, but I will note that however long it's been, um, on October 24th, the University of Minnesota will play the University of Michigan in football to kick off the Big Ten season, and we stand a much better chance than we have at any other year in the past. So we, I wanted to make sure we got this in before there was any bad blood between us. Let's just leave it at that. And since none of us will be there in person, it's, it, broadband is all the more important, so we can yeah, see yeah. How, how well we beat you. <laughs> So one of the things that um, I wanted to to do is just to, to kick off with a quick history of what we covered last time in the last interview. Um, we don't need to go over it all, but uh, you all engineered a remarkable vote um, with uh, with remarkable turnout, um, the highest, I believe, in any special election that uh, your township has had um, in order for people to raise their taxes in order to build a broadband fiber optic network. Um, so let me ask you, Ben, if you just want to give me a, a couple of details about how that came about, and then I'll ask Gary and Joanne to fill in any other details uh, that they want to about that. So what's the thumbnail sketch of, of what you're doing in Linden? Yeah, I mean, the short version is that the uh, the citizens of Linden Township got together to talk about the broadband issue, realized nobody else was going to solve the problem for us, so uh, banded together to solve the problem ourselves, and uh, went through a lot of conversations and a lot of work, and uh, at the end of the day, it looked like the best solution was to build a fiber optic network reaching all the homes in Linden Township and fund it with a a municipal bond backed by a millage. And so that's the concept that we took to vote. And yeah, fortunately, the the vote went very well and passed by a a huge margin of two to one. 
And uh, today the, uh, the network is, well, the network is complete. We don't have everybody hooked up yet, but we're uh, getting close to that as well. So yeah, Chris, I mean, Ben makes it all sound so smooth and so slick. Right, right. I mean, just, <laughs> just a few nights of uh, work and, uh, couple, and there, here you are. A couple days and, uh, and we're off and running. I think, uh, I think we've, Ben and I and Joanne have been working on this for the better part of five years. And uh, actually, the actual construction of the project didn't really begin until 2018, two years ago. So there was more time spent before than during the actual implementation of the project. So five years of doing it, I think, uh, is, uh, is one of the lessons we learned. When Ben said we had to do it ourselves, uh, we thought it was just literally put a shovel in the ground, throw some cable in, and away we go. But there are some lessons that we learned along the way that it took us a little bit longer than we expected. And just getting to the point of, of um, bringing this to the residents of the township, the group that Gary and Ben had been involved in was a Western Washtenaw focused thing. And they had uh, approached the state legislature to see what kind of help could come there. Uh, various um, you know, cable providers. Uh, and, and so the realization that no one was gonna do this but ourselves came after you know going down all the obvious uh avenues first to see i mean why should citizens have to do this themselves but no they do yes and this is a a conversation i have frequently with people asking why am i spending five years of my life doing this and unfortunately it seems that's how we have to do things in rural america um often to make sure we have the essential services that we need now it's uh, you're talking about a 36 square mile area. Um, the network cost about was forecast to cost about seven million dollars. Uh, how many people are we talking about in this area? Well, there's lots of numbers we could throw around. I mean, uh, Linden Township probably has a population of around 3,000 people, I would think. Uh, we have about uh, 1,200 households in Linden Township, roughly. And uh, of those 1,200 households, we have 900 subscribers to our uh, broadband network. So you have a, a higher subscription rate than you had support rate for the vote, which is what you really want to see fundamentally. <laughs> it sounds like people are... That's absolutely true. Yes, it's true. And it's a much higher rate than the, than the target break-even rate that we had crossed our fingers and hoped for after the vote. So it's really fabulous. Well, that's one of the, the questions that I had because you... Um, I'm curious how the business model really works in that you knew you had to raise a certain amount of money from the millage from the tax increase where does the extra money go uh, <laughs> to the extent that there is any um, <laughs> because as you have extra more subscribers than expected does that mean that you require less of a tax contribution than you might have otherwise or how does that work out so municipal finance is a tricky thing and i mean the the, the obvious thing to do and so the project is is running under budget and we're, we're confident that we're going to complete the project, um, not only within the allocated amount, but with a, a little bit left over. And so the obvious thing to do would just be to give it back basically and use it to pay down the bond early. Um, unfortunately, nothing in life is easy and it's uh, not clear that we're able to do just that. But the goal is to put it back toward the, the benefit of the township and the residents of the township uh, we, we think there are some avenues to explore to reduce the uh, the remaining tax liability for for everybody. And if not, we're going to make sure it's applied in ways that benefit the township as a whole. Not to get too far down in the weeds, Chris, but uh, when the residents voted for this, 
that meant that every resident had to pay the millage or was uh, charged the millage, regardless of whether or not they took the service. So that money there, the millage was merely bent, meant to cover the construction costs of our network. So by the fact that we have more subscribers, doesn't really relate to the fact of what the cost of the network was. Oh, I'm very glad you you pointed that out because I think that's a really important detail. Um, now, one of the the things that we had talked about was that that way of financing it fell harder on some of the larger property owners. Um, you know, have you had a sense of whether they are are good with that now? That they're, they're actually they have something that they can see, they understand that it it is working, and that sort of a thing. I mean, how are how are people reacting with the benefit now of of actually having a product for most of them? I know a few people still have to be signed up. It's a difficult question to answer, Chris, because really, I think one of the things that I've learned is that while there was a lot of clamoring during the construction and when will I be hooked up and when will I have service, once people get service, then we don't really hear much from them anymore. They're too busy playing video games. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, anecdotally, I've had people tell me lots of things that that it is, it is really great. It's better than they thought. And a lot of that has been washed away. But um, I really don't think that uh, I can say with confidence that I've had a groundswell of people rushing up to me and telling me how great it is. And maybe that's yet to come. Right. They'll, they'll carry you on your shoulders and announce that you are their king. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I mean, here we are talking and I, I made a comment to Ben um, last time I, I'd seen you, Ben, um, about there's been some events of the past eight months that have made this an important investment for the community. You have communities around you that, that don't have this. You have one that decided in a vote not to uh, proceed with a similar model. Um, you know, is there, is there a sense um, among people that, that you got the timing just perfect on this? And, um, you know, and do you have a sense from surrounding communities if they're more motivated now? Well, I definitely wouldn't say it's just perfect because uh, when the pandemic hit, we, we, we were not yet fully deployed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so just, just perfect would have been wrapping everything up right before the pandemic hit. Um, but, you know, even though it wasn't perfect, I, I think there's an overwhelming sentiment, uh, especially from people who, are, who have gotten hooked up during the pandemic, that th- this is available now. And that if we hadn't started, you know, five years ago, we wouldn't be in the position that we are. And I, I think there is a broad recognition of that. And I think there is a recognition of the, uh, you know, the, the advantageous position that Linden Township is in versus our neighboring communities. Um, and again, it's, it's just anecdotal conversations that I've heard from, from neighbors. But there, there are, are folks in the neighboring townships who are pointing to Linden Township and, and saying, look, it, if we had only engaged on this project that we, we talked about a number of years ago, we could be where they are today. And instead we're, we're where they are now, which is you know not having reasonable connectivity or in some cases and, any connectivity at all. Yeah. We're in the process of getting new next door neighbors who are coming here from Chicago suburb and they, um, Washtenaw County was a focus because her parents live northeast or northwest of here. And they limited their search because internet was crucial and Linden was it. They wanted to be rural. So, you know, that's that's one anecdote, but we've heard others, uh, you know, people making their decisions based on the availability of good quality internet. 
Now, how does the administration of the the network work? I mean, I know that you've contracted with the um, with an electric co-op there in in Michigan. I believe it's Midwest Energy, right? Correct. Yep. Now, if if there's an issue of of ironing it out, do you does does the Linden Township have a person who is monitoring things? I mean, is there actually any staff that works for the network that you've built directly? There is no staff from the township that works on the project. Basically. We have volunteers that oversee the implementation of the network. And now as we move from implementation to operation, we now have a group of volunteers that is sort of an oversight committee that oversees the network. But really the day-to-day operations of the network is MEC. They're the operator. Lyndon is the owner. The oversight committee is just in place to make sure that things are running smoothly, contractual obligations are being met. If there's any complaints uh, that need to be fielded by that group, they would. But there is no full-time, part-time person that works for the township whose responsibility is telecommunications. Yeah, Gary characterized it well. And just to stress for your listeners that that was by design uh, because Linden Township, like most rural municipalities, um, don't have much in terms of staff. They, Under normal operating procedures, they don't have any full-time staff. They, they have a couple of partial FTEs that, uh, you know, conduct essential operations for the township and collecting taxes and uh, things that, that need to be done. But uh, they were in no position to, to absorb the uh, operational requirements to be an ISP. And it wasn't in our interest to, for them to, to staff up to take on that role. So the, the relationship with uh, Midwest Energy has worked out really well in that regard. You know, if, if a resident has an issue and uh, there needs to be a truck roll and some a technician needs to come out to their house. Midwest takes care of that. Uh, nobody's waking waking up anybody from the township in the middle of the night. Um, but as Gary described, we, we, we do want to make sure there is a, a layer of oversight uh, to make sure our, our residents are, are getting the best possible service uh, from our partnership over the infrastructure that they as residents paid for. And so the, the, the oversight committee and the volunteers that serve on that are, are filling that role. And the, the word um, ombudsman has been thrown around as, as a, a characterization of what that role is. And I, and I had to look that up, but it, it seems like it's a, a fair way to describe what they're doing. So, Gary, what did, what did you and Joanne do to uh, be last on the list? Uh, well, it, it wasn't really very hard. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the mess- <laughs> at least maybe some sort of conspiracy that I have yet to discover, but I mean, basically it just worked out that the way the sequence of construction for the township rolled, I mean, we could go back to the financial models. It was, we needed to bring on as many subscribers as in a timely fashion as we possibly could. So that meant looking at where that would happen throughout the township. And that sort of drove the sequence in which we would get the people brought online. We needed to reach a critical number so that we would be able to pay for the, the, the service part of the network, not the installation of the construction, but the service part. And the service part is paid for from subscriptions by uh, residents. So Joanne and I live in a part of the township that's not quite as heavily populated as other parts. And uh, that rolled along with, I guess, the fact that some people didn't want us to have internet. I don't know. They, they put us last on the list. Gary complains too much. We, we like to keep him quiet out there. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's working. Um, yeah. 
Joanne, I'm curious if if you can give us a sense of, um, you know, when I've talked to people that have engaged in similar efforts, you know, three years ago, I don't think you had a sense yet of whether all of this time and effort would have been worth it uh, if you would have just run into a brick wall at some point and not been able to, to build the network. What is your sense of, I mean, just give me a, a sense of, of of how you felt along those periods and a sense of how you got over it. Cause the people that I think are mostly going to be listening to this episode are people who are in the middle of that where they don't know if they're going to be able to, to get it built or not. So how do you, how do you get through that? One of the simple things for us to uh, keep ourselves on track on this was if we needed to do a windows update on our laptop, we needed to go into Chelsea to do it because it would take days and days if we tried to do it here at home. So just, you know, keeping in mind what we, have compared to what was you know possible. I think uh, for me, because I wasn't involved in the implementation committee activities, just hearing from Gary along the way of the numerous hurdles that the committee ran into, uh, you know, during the time of trying to just get the conduit laid, it's a good thing we didn't know about some of those. It's a good thing we didn't know about rattlesnake, you know, habitat that was protected and. God knows what, oh yeah, the county, the road commission wanted us to survey the the township. Yeah, right, us. Uh, <laughs> you know, before they would let us do what they let Verizon or anybody else just go ahead and do. So, you know, am, am I saying more than I should? <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> So, so I mean, I, I just heard this from another guest of another show recently, is that um, it can, that, that naivete can be helpful um, to make sure that you don't abandon. Um, but at the same time, when you look at that amazing connection coming from Ben's computer, um, it seems like it's all worth it. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> no, I can't but, but Chris, I think, I think you drive it at one of the points, I think, you know, where we are now, I would say a great deal of, or some of what we're doing is looking back now. We're looking at what we've done. Uh, for a long time, we were looking forward to what we had to do. So that looking back perspective is interesting because um, looking back, I don't, I don't feel there was ever a time during the project. We, you know, we've never built a fiber optic network in our lives. And chances are good that we'll never build another one. I don't know, we may, we may help. But I don't feel that ever there was a time that we felt we were in some sort of dire straits about being able to complete the project. It's like anything. You know what you know, and there's things that you don't know. And when they come up, it was amazing that our group, well, amazing, it was it, to their credit, that they were able to seriously think about what the situation was and arrive at a way forward. So looking back, that's to me one of the major things. Never, never thought it would be completed. But yeah, there were some some moments where Ben and I would call each other on the phone and talk things over and wish for a brighter day tomorrow. We shared uh, many a heartfelt conversation over a beer at the local pub. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, to uh, to add on to your question, Chris, is it worth it? Uh, if I if I were to go back and had it to do over again, would I have undertaken it knowing what I know now? Um, I've asked myself that question before. And the answer is absolutely. Because despite everything that goes along with it, in all the um, stress and anxiety and uncertainty, um, the, the result is, is so critical. 
And especially with the pandemic, I have a nine-year-old daughter and we had to make the, uh, the, the decision of what to do for her schooling this year. Well, I'm grateful every day that we have the broadband yeah. because if we didn't, uh, we would be in a much more difficult situation with virtual schooling. And that's, you know, part of what drives us um, to continue to, to, to try to help other communities yep. do what we've done. It, so it, it is a difficult thing, but for, for those that are in the middle of their projects and haven't yet seen the light at the end of the tunnel, it, it is worth it when you get there. In, the, in our previous conversation, we talked about other townships following in your footsteps. And uh, I know that Sharon Township had a vote and there was a, a campaign to, to misinform people with uh, making statements that, that may not have been entirely truthful that led to people voting down that effort. Uh, I don't know if there's been any other votes. Uh, what, are, what are the other townships around you um, doing? Uh, I know because one of the things that you were very clear on is that you didn't want to make people reinvent the wheel. You wanted to find a way of, of helping them to get through that, that hard period more easily. In Washtenaw County, which is the county that Linden Township is in, um, you know, we, we had a lot of individual conversations with our, our neighboring townships. And the, the method that we have been using to try to drive all those conversations forward is aggregating them at the county level. And we were successful in um, engaging with the county board of commissioners, and they recognized the importance of the issue for the, uh, the, the townships that don't have broadband. Um, and so they formed a broadband task force. We, we completed a countywide study to quantify the broadband gap uh, within the county. And um, through that, we identified that, you know, FCC data says the county is only 4% unserved or something like that. Whereas the, uh, the data that we showed um, in the rural areas, actually 64% of the rural areas are lacking broadband service. Um, so that was kind of step one. We now have quantified the issue much better than the existing data would suggest. And then step two is actually doing something about it. Um, the county has chosen not to engage in owning infrastructure. So instead we're pursuing uh, public-private partnerships with other ISPs in the area to, uh, to go after grant money and use other funding sources to, to close the gaps in those areas that we've identified. Joanne or Gary, do you wanna add on anything? Linden's situation, I think uh, all of these situations with these rural areas all differ somewhat in terms of various things. Current coverage, how many people are served, how many are not. Some of these rural areas have small cities or towns that are within them that already have some sort of service. Uh, so what's be coming uh, uh, an issue or something I think about is with Washington County, uh, it's not like one size fits all where we're just going to sweep through the entire county and all of the citizens will have broadbands, uh, broadband access. I think one of the things that concerns me is that with these grant monies and census tracts and blocks and how things get bid out and done, we're going to end up with some sort of patchwork quilt of some will have it and some won't. And it's going to be really hard to get to that complete 100% goal when we use this sort of fractionalized method of, of implementing broadband. And that's troublesome for me. Yeah, it's very troublesome because you end up just stratifying things further. I, I really am hopeful that once Linden is fully up and running, that the 
the model that we used will be adopted by some of our other rural uh, townships in the county uh, because it's really the only way, I believe, to get everybody covered. Um, the grant monies and so on that are available have just been so limited uh, in the greater scheme. You couldn't possibly provide everybody with service with the money that's available. Now, if Biden is elected, he has talked a lot about rural broadband and maybe something will happen, but it's going to take a lot of money. The other thing I wanted to add before we move on from that um, is that we recognize this is this is an issue not just within our neighboring townships, but in rural areas throughout the state. And so that was one of the reasons we, we formed our nonprofit as the Michigan Broadband Cooperative. Um, now, we have also recognized that as a ragtag group of volunteers, there's only so much we can do to affect change at a state level. Um, for that reason, we've uh, been partnering with Merit Networks. Merit is the uh, nonprofit mm -hmm. research and education network for the state of Michigan. And they have um, been so kind as to take up the mantle with something they're calling the Michigan Moonshot Initiative. And they're trying to help close the broadband gap with, with the goal of uh, uh, closing the, the homework gap because they, they have an education focus, but they recognize that in this day and age, kids not having broadband at home is a huge issue for the educational landscape. So we have been working with them to help further that Michigan or that mission together. Um, one of the early outputs of that is the, uh, the Michigan Moonshot uh, Framework, which is a free document that can be downloaded and, and aggregates um, a lot of resources from organizations all around the country. So I want to be clear, it's not all, it's all merit or all the cooperative. It's, it's a joint effort between a lot of folks that are experts in this space. But this is a free resource that attempts to bring all those resources together in one digestible document for communities that are trying to, uh, to address this problem in their own areas. Digestible for an elephant. <laughs> that framework yeah. that framework is terrific it is the single best resource i think available for uh communities it's uh, the michigan moonshot is a it's a wonderful project ben I'm, I'm glad you brought it up i definitely encourage people to take a look don't be intimidated just focus on the areas that are relevant for you uh, you don't have to read the whole thing um definitely just look at what's relevant for you um you know a piece of that i think and I, i'm curious if you want to just talk a little bit about this ben is that there's been a, a lot of service surveys in the Washtenaw area and data collection and things like that that um, come out of that framework where they've gathered a lot of these best practices and things like that. So um, just a little bit more maybe enticement um, of, of what's available in there in this direction. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I mentioned the uh, the survey project Washtenaw County did with Merit and the, the disparity that it reveals between the FCC data and the, the actual situation on the ground. I think one of the other main things that can, main benefits that can be gotten from that kind of surveying is uh, the sentiment analysis that goes along with it in terms of uncovering how important broadband is to the citizens within your community. Um, because it's, it's not just the, the black or white, whether they have broadband or whether they don't, but if they don't, how much do they care about it and what are they willing to do about it? And we've been able to, uh, to uncover a lot of that and use that as a, a foundation to help move things forward. Um, and I, I think that's critical when you're you're talking about solving a problem as a community um, versus just you know a, a couple of people who are 
who are interested in it. The, the other part is, um, I, th I think the document does a good job comparing, uh, contrasting the different technology solutions available. And especially in the year, year of COVID, we've been inundated with people who are new to the conversation and they're, they're passionate about solving the broadband gap, but they want to do it now. Mm -hmm. And you really need to understand the technical landscape to, to understand why it, it's not just an immediate solution. And to actually solve the problem correctly, it's, it's going to take a few years. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. The, the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. So, you know, plant your fiber network today. And that brings me back to something um, Joanne had said about the possibility of a Biden administration. Uh, Democrats in Congress have talked a lot about, I mean, they've passed bills <laughs> that show what they would like to do in terms of getting broadband out. I sometimes feel like people feel like that's the solution. And the thing is, is that that money has to go somewhere, right? It's not like it's not like it's just going to magically come out of D.C. as dollars and then show up in your community as fiber. You need to have a local plan of how to make use of it. I think this whole discussion about Ben said and what you point out, Chris, is that, um, you know, I look back when we started this, we were engaged in well, we started this five years ago. And at that time, I can remember having a conversation with myself about, this is this something we really need. I mean, how are we going to do this? What's going to happen? And even though I had all those questions, I still felt I, I had that thing inside of me saying, you know, we need to take this on now. And I think that goes back to Ben's point. Uh, people expect immediate results trying to solve this problem today. That's just not going to happen. But I can tell you, it's also not going to happen unless you start doing something now. Yeah, as you pointed out, Chris, you know, Without fail, the grand opportunities that we've seen come out uh, favor shovel-ready projects. So if you see a grant announcement and that's when you start working on your project, it's already too late. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to start working on your project now so that your project is ready to go when that next grant opportunity comes. That opportunity comes right? Now, last question, Joanne. Um, you're a few weeks away from having your ultra fast connection aside from having a well-patched windows machine. What else are you looking forward to doing? <laughs> we still have um, problems with having enough bandwidth to, you know, watch a movie if we decide we want to do that. Um, so little things like that. And just <laughs> having things happen faster than I can think of making them happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how it feels in my mind that we're working on, we have like, what, what's our speed? 1.4 megabits yeah, per second. you can't use the word speed, you know, so <laughs> I guess it's going to be. So, so Chris, we're like, you know, we're like these, I don't know what, we have some cell service, we have a little bit of DSL uh, at any given time, either or both of them may or may not be working. Uh, it seems, they seem to know they're slightly psychic and that, if I have something really critical to do, <laughs> neither of them will work. Uh, it's very frustrating to just not know from one hour to the next that we're going to have a connection to the world. I mean, really, this is 2020 after all, and it's just hard to put the two thoughts together. That's, that's right. It just it reminds me of a study that asked people um, if they would rather have a commute that they knew was going to be um, 45 minutes no matter what or a commute in which sometimes it would be 30 minutes and sometimes it would be 60 minutes. They'd take um, 40. They, they'll take that longer commute every time because it's the certainty. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Well, is there anything else that, that you want to make sure that, that we share with folks um, regarding this uh, Linden Township approach, the, the Michigan Broadband Cooperative, or have we covered it all pretty well? You know, I, I'll throw out as an enticement the, uh, the service levels that we've ended up with, um, which, by the way, during our feasibility study, we estimated the service levels and the price points. And when we went to market, we hit those levels almost exactly. Um, in just this month, um, we actually announced service level increases for our, our bottom two tiers of service uh, with no price increases. And so the, the service levels now are starting at $35 a month for 50 megabits of service, $45 a month for 250 megabit service, and $70 a month for gigabit service. No data caps, symmetric service. Well, I think that then we can all agree that uh, I deserve to get a big football victory because you guys have uh, those <laughs> wonderful rates. <laughs> well, uh, I think we we know it's a well-known fact that Michigan has a uh, incredibly long and esteemed football history that I think uh, we should also recognize. <laughs> but we do like PJ too. Though. We do like PJ. After all, oh, yes, yep. Where yep. did he start? His kid wasn't he from the West Central? Michigan? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. Um, I I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk. And I just have to say that I, I think that you all are an inspiration uh, for many other communities. I really appreciate the hard work you've done. You make it sound like fun. Um, but um, even if you aren't carried around like the kings that you are, kings and queens, um, uh, we are big fans of the work that you've done um, and hope that it allows other communities around you to benefit as well. So thank you all. Thank you. And thank, thank you, Chris, for putting all this together. And you know, I got to tell you that we uh, we leaned on you a lot during all of this, and we appreciate everything you've helped us with. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Good. It worked out. That was Christopher talking with Ben Feynman, Joanne Munts, and Gary Munts. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at MuniNetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 432 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks.